Well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, blessed Sunday morning to you. He is risen. Amen. Glad to have you this morning. For those just joining us, we're in a study on 1 Corinthians 12. It is a chapter where Paul is specifically addressing the gifts of the Spirit or spiritual gifts and talking about the body of Christ. Very important um, issue to that church, important issue to us. Um, if you Did anybody here not receive yet the, uh, a copy of the notes? We have notes, uh, printed notes, and uh, yeah, you want to do that, Richard? Thank you so much. Okay, really? Yeah. So, um, also, we have the book on the back table here. Um, if you're interested in uh, getting the accompanying book that goes with the study, uh, see us afterwards sometime during the week. Um, and uh, the book goes along also, as I shared the first couple days. Um, just all this material is available to you if you want to use it at your church or in a small group in any way. The PowerPoints, all that, we'll be glad to send to you. Uh, but again, for those just joining us, let's just quickly, briefly review where we're at. This is a church that Paul wrote to. Very, uh, a lot of troubles, a lot of issues in this church. And basically in this, uh, in this letter, he's addressing all the issues that this church had, which were actually many, a very complicated church. And so Paul basically says in the letter, there's only one answer to all of our needs, and that's Jesus. Jesus is the supply and the provision for every single thing that we need in our lives. The one thing he says to the Corinthians that was holding them back was pride. Back in chapters 4 and 5, he particularly uses a term, um, he says, you are puffed. Careful, don't spit when you speak, right? <laughs> he says, you are puffed up. You are puffed up. And that's the term that means they, they really thought a lot of themselves. And that's, that's the issue that's coming here in chapter 12 that we're seeing. And then so chapter 6, verse 19 is my belief that it's the pivot point of the whole letter. It's the theme of the letter in chapter uh, 6 verse 19 where he says do you not know that your body is the temple of the holy spirit who is in you whom you have from god and you are not your own you are bought at a price therefore glorify god in your body and in your spirit which are god's so jesus wants to live in you and through you that's the that's the plan and if and if you don't get that point you really miss this whole discussion of what spiritual gifts are about if you think if we begin to think that spiritual gifts are something that we have or we do we've missed the point and that's what we're coming back to this morning in verse 7 is he's been he's been really saying this all chapter long don't miss the fact that the focus is him not us it's not what we do or what we have it's what he wants to do through us so in other words I'll say it this way this morning very nicely if Paul was here and was saying it very politely, he'd say, if you ask the question about what's my spiritual gift or what should I think about spiritual gifts, he would basically say something like this, it's none of your business. Don't you worry about it. You focus on him and just be surrendered to him and let him do whatever he wants through your life because it's his anyway. Is it, a, is it okay if Jesus can do, the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants to through my life? Is that, is that okay this morning? Everybody okay with that? Okay, if he just does whatever he wants to. What if he wants to change what he does? Would that be okay too? If he wants to work one way for a while and then works, wants to work another way for a while, there's, that's okay, isn't it? And that's the, that's the point. And so the first three verses, he said, <clears throat> focus on Jesus, the whole phrase of, in verse two, in verse three, Jesus is Lord. Let's be absolutely focused on the person of Jesus and let him do what he wants to. And then verse four, five, and six, 
we see again this very strong message that He is the source. He's the source. This picture of overflowing glasses, overflowing cups that I like to put up on the screen of just, hey, let, let Him do what He wants to do in and through you, and that's what the gifts of the Spirit are. And again, the background of that is that the Corinthians, in a group in this church, had gotten so focused on one gift, speaking in languages, they got so focused on one gift, they made that the whole thing instead of him. They let that draw their focus away from him. So he's trying to build this message here that the gifts of the Spirit are really just that, of the Spirit, not of us. It's him, not us. So we come to verse 7 this morning with that background, and he says this. Again, he's, he, he, notice in verse 8, he's going to start talking specifically about some specific gifts of the Spirit, or what if you want to call it spiritual gifts. He's going to start talking about those specifically, but it's important to get this, this first in verse 7 as the background for all those gifts of the Spirit. Just, just one verse this morning. Verse 7, for the manifestation of the Spirit, hear this, the manifestation of the Spirit, spiritual gifts are a manifestation of the Spirit. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to all, given to each one for the profit of all. Jesus, um, indeed, this morning, as we even heard those uh, lyrics and that music as we came in, we, we want to come to the well. You, you are the supply this morning for everything that needs to happen in the camp and everything that needs to happen in this, um, in this 50 minutes here and in the service to follow as, uh, as our brother Tom uh, preaches the word this morning in our cabins, in our families at home, in our churches at home, um, in the lives of every person we know in our lives, our families. You're the supply. And so I pray this morning if anything can happen, one thing, Lord Jesus, it would be that we would walk away from this, these few minutes more enamored with you than we ever have been. Would you just um, captivate our hearts? May the Holy Spirit just um, have this way among us this morning that uh, Jesus, the Spirit does what you said. He will, he will take of what is you and make it known to us. He will glorify you. And so just come among us. Just, just have your way in our hearts this morning. And, and truly, may our lives, in whatever form you do that in, <clears throat> whatever the gift is, whatever the way you want to work through us in the body, uh, would you just manifest yourself? Even right here in this, in this moment. And then in, in the time to follow, and as we greet each other and are on this grounds. May there be a manifestation of your spirit in these days. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So, um, <clears throat> so verse 7, I was interested as he talks about this word, he uses, when he starts to talk about what the spirit actually does, what a gift of the spirit is, spiritual gifts, he uses this interesting word there in verse 7, manifestation. Um, and it manifest, manifest, like something is revealed. It really got me thinking, you know, in my notebook as I'm, as I'm taking notes and I'm journaling on this and just thinking about it, it got me thinking about this idea of how fascinated we are with mystery or how fascinated as human beings we are with, with something that is a discovery, like the thrill of discovery. So let's just do a quick survey this morning. All of us, I think, as human beings have built into us now, it can be squelched, it can be kind of tamped down by, you know, unkind things. I think all of us as children and as we get into adulthood, all of us have an interest in discovering. Like, you know, you ever notice how like little kids like love to discover new things, right? And I think that, that, that thrill of discovery, that mystery 
is built into all the things that we enjoy. So for instance, um, how many of you this morning like to do puzzles? Anybody like to do, who are our puzzle workers? My normal response to that is, what's wrong with you? You know, I don't, Trina loves puzzles. I'm not a puzzle person, but Trina just like, she actually like chills out at night by doing a crossword puzzle. I think that's like really stressful. You know, right? Crossword puzzle is stressful. Trina's like, that's her chilling out, right? So, and, and what, what is it about a puzzle that's so fun? Isn't it like you're just like, can't wait for that thing to come together, right? Can't wait to see how that Sudoku just all works out. Or can't wait to get that final word in the crossword puzzle. And there's that sense of, wow, it all came together. Now, some of us aren't puzzle uh, people. Some of us are like more story people. Any, do we have any people that just like love reading novels or fiction? Do, do, do anybody, we have, who's our fiction readers? This morning. What's, what's the thing about fiction? It's like you're sitting on the edge of your seat. A good author, right? You're sitting on the edge of your seat. You have one of those books you can't put down. Anybody have a problem with that? Like, you really should go to bed, but you can't. Like, you just got to read one more chapter, right? It's that, that, that I can't, I can't, I want to see it come together. There's that mystery. There's that, oh, I just, I'm hanging and there's that, right? It's that, that, it's kind of like a puzzle, but it's different. It's that, now some of us don't like books, but we like, you know, movies. Anybody like really avid movie? followers. Our family is just like, we love old movies, newer movies. We're just, in fact, it's kind of weird at our house. We're always throwing around movie quotes. So if you hear me use a movie quote this week, we're always like quizzing each other. Oh, where did that one come from? You know, and I have to say my kids are kind of like outdoing me on that these days. But anyway, but some of us like exploring. How many explorers do we have? Anybody like to take a new route? Anybody ever like to go a new place you've never gone before? And it's like, and you know how us men are, we don't need a map, right? And it's that thrill of that, ex- you know, everybody, everybody relate, you got something in your life where you like to explore. There's something in your life where there's this mystery and that's what makes the fun of it, right? And so there is that idea of this, the thrill of discovery. You're doing that puzzle, it's the thrill of discovery. You're reading that book, it's the thrill of discovery. Watching that movie, for the, I wonder how it's gonna turn out, the thrill of discovery. So that's, it got my attention when I'm looking at that word there in verse 7, the word manifestation kind of points to this idea of something being discovered, something being revealed, this mystery being uh, unfolded. That, uh, sometimes um, uh, Greek is not always like the silver bullet of Bible study, you know what I mean? It's not like always the magic bullet of Bible study like that, but once in a while, if you study things in the Greek, and by the way, um, we can talk about that this week if you want to. Um, we, we've done it before in the past here in the, at the camp. But if you're interested in um, learning some tools that you can use for Greek, we can talk about that. There's some websites, there's some free software that, that we can show you actually here on the big screen how to use. And uh, if you're interested in that kind of thing, let me know and maybe we can uh, put something together. But anyway, um, there, there's ways for us to look at some of these Greek words. And so that Greek word that's translated manifestation, it got my attention when it's only used two times in the whole New Testament, and this is one of them. And, and when you find a unique word like that, you kind of go, huh, in my Walmart notebook, huh, right? So uh, it's kind of like this, huh, that's interesting. That must, that, that's kind of, he's really saying something unique here when he uses that, that word. This, that's a noun, by the way. Everybody grammar, grammar fans out here? Where's my grammar fans? Three of us. Okay. So uh, that, that noun's used two times in the New Testament, but the verb form is used 49 times. 
49 times um, is the verb used. And I want to just let you turn with me to a few of those. Turn back to 1 John for a moment. I want you to see a few uses of the verb form of manifestation. Again, you know, Paul's saying the manifestation of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. So if you go back to John, uh, 1 John 1, 2, chapter 1, verse 2, he's talking about you know, Jesus being revealed 1 John chapter 1, that which, we have, you know, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. That's Jesus. 1 John, 1 John chapter 1 verse 2. And then he says in, in 1 John 1, 2, the life was manifested. Jesus came. There was this mystery. We, we could not see him. God was unseen, and yet the unseen became manifested, seen, aha. Never saw that before. Woo, here he is, seen. Okay, he says that he uses the same word over in there in 1 John 4, 9. Hope you don't uh, mind turning to some of these. It helps keep you awake, right? So 1 John 4, 9, um, he goes on to say there, in this the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. The life was manifested. God, the unseen God, we couldn't see him. He's out there and yet God came here and it's, woo, here it is. It is now seen. It shows up. We, John says in 1 John 1, we have seen, we have handled, we have, we, have, we have looked upon, our hands have handled, we have heard, he's here, he's manifested, he's seen right here. Um, let's just look at one more. We could go on with a bunch of those this morning. But let's just, if you would, just turn back to the Romans one for just a moment. Romans chapter 16. Again, we're looking at all the times the verb form of manifested is used. I want you to get it, just a flavor of that. In uh, Romans chapter 16, verse 25, it's kind of Paul's benediction there in Romans Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation, that's, that's the same word now, the revelation of the mystery. So instead of translating English manifest, it's revealed, revealed. So again, unseen, couldn't see God, he's out there, he's invisible, and yet now over and over again this word is used throughout the New Testament, and Paul's using it now in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the idea of it's He's, he's comes and is seen. So there's this important element in the gospel. When we talk about the gospel, there's this amazing element to the gospel message that, isn't this awesome? The God who was unseen has become seen. The God who we could not know, the God who was out there. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, they couldn't even speak his name, right? They, they were not allowed to say his name. And yet this God who's out there and overall and God who created all and this God who is just above all, that God has come and John says, in the be- and, and the word became, and he lived for a while among us. <laughs> that, that's our gospel message is that God, we did not go to him, he came to us. Anybody ever heard that old, I love some of these old gospel songs. There's a beautiful gospel song that says, when I could not come to where he was, he came to me. Is that true this morning for you too, right? I didn't find God. Some people say once once in a while, and I'm not, we don't have to pick on words. We know what we mean. But sometimes I think about that. Like in a testimony, we, I found God when I was 
you know, 17 years old. Well, the truth of the matter is I didn't find him. He found me, right? He came to, God came all the way to me in the middle of my brokenness and reached down into the world and he touched me and reached me where I am. So this idea of this manifestation, this revelation of him, this supernatural, this element of supernatural, of just unbelievable, the supernatural, the sense of mystery, the sense of excitement, the sense of wow. Because you know how you feel like when you figure out the Sudoku puzzle, right? Anybody have a sense of like, yes. You know how you have that? Or, have you, are you, you know, when you're watching the movie and it's kind of like it all comes together and there's just something inside you goes, oh, good, you know. Or you, fit, you put in that last word in the crossword puzzle and you just kind of walk away and give somebody a high five, right? Awesome. Like a thousand times more is this idea that Jesus came to us, right? That this morning as we meet in this place, we, we meet in this physical Human location, beautiful, by the way. There's no tabernacle like this anywhere in the world, I don't believe. This beautiful grounds, as, I, as, I drove, as Trina and I drove onto this grounds on a very late Thursday night, the wee hours of Friday morning, we just had this sense of, what a place, you know. But as, as you and I meet in this beautiful, beautiful physical location, and I'm meeting here with you beautiful people this morning, and you hear the sound of my annoying voice over this uh, PA this morning, and, and we're going to eat this great Sunday. Anybody ready for that? The great Sunday dinner we have here at Sycorae. Right? And, uh, you know, all, all these things. As we meet in this physical place, this is not all there is. God is here. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> God is here. We, we, this is not just a human gathering. Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, is here because he's in us. This is not a human gathering this morning. This is a supernatural gathering. We, we are here with this risen Lord that not only rose from the dead and he went back to heaven, he came to live within us. And as we meet this morning in this Bible study and in the service to follow, God is here, Jesus is here, and we're meeting with God. Even if God is speaking, God is moving at this very moment. That's amazing. And we get to not just experience that at camp, we get to take that home with us. Jesus gets to go with you to school, and Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the resurrected, Paul said in Ephesians 1, that you may know, I pray this prayer, um, some of you know I, I pray a, a prayer of Paul for each of my family members, and uh, over the course of her life, Ephesians 1 has been the, the Kylie prayer, right? And I, 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 that God may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. Then he names all these things that you would know. And the bottom one is that you may know that the working of the, his power in you, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Listen, everybody, we're here this morning and we're living in the one and the one is in us, the power, the, the same one that raised Jesus from the dead. That's the power we get to experience. That's a supernatural, that's a wow, and we get to live in that. Um, I don't know about you this morning, this, I, and I, I already said the prayer a little bit here, and I, I just love, if you want to look at that, you can, or just mark that in your Bible, that, that incredible, I pray this morning, Paul says in Ephesians 1, that he may give to you that spirit of wisdom and revelation, revelation in the knowledge of him, that, that the Holy Spirit would just open, I, I like the, um, anybody ever use the Amplified Bible? I like the Amplified Translation. It says that the eyes of your heart would be flooded with light. The supernatural, living in this, wow, he's here, he's in my life. It's not just some mundane. Did you know like washing dishes doesn't just have to be washing dishes. It can be living in the presence of God. <laughs> mowing the grass doesn't just have to be mowing the grass. Commuting to work 
Tyler commutes into Nashville. Awful traffic, you know. Do you know community doesn't have to just be community. It can be in the presence of Jesus all the way, him and you and you and him. Just living in this power and revelation. And having this passion, because when you see him, when he shows up, when he's revealed, there's this, yes, wow, thank you, Jesus. Wow, living in the wow. Anybody want to live in the wow of him? Talk about being enamored by him. You want to live in the wow, this revelation of who he is? I don't know about you this morning, but I'm feeling like we really need that today. Anybody feel like we need some wow in our churches? Anybody feel like in our day we really need this revelation of who he is? We don't need to just like human gatherings. In this camp at our home churches, I guess I'll just speak for my church. You know, maybe you don't, maybe, you're, maybe your church is in revival. Maybe you're having a revival at your church. I believe in my church at home, in my denomination, we really need the moving of God in our day, don't you think? We need a sense of the, we need a sense of the wow. We need a sense of the supernatural because far too often, in, in churches, it's become, sometimes it's easy to become kind of what I call a business approach. We just manage it. If we just do this, do this strategy, if we can market it this way, if we can have this style of things, if we can serve the right kind of coffee, if we can have the lighting at the right level, if we can have the kind of, kind of music everybody likes, then we'll just kind of, hey, it'll, it will manage this thing and we'll just kind of get as many people in here as we can and treat it like a business. I propose to you that's not going to win the world. What's going to win the world is not a business approach. What's going to win the world is the power of God in us. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's what's going to change our lives, and that's what's going to change the lives of people that come to our churches. And this week in the camp, we're praying, aren't we? We're praying that in the camp this week, there would be a revelation, a manifestation of him right here among us. Let's pray for it today. Let's pray that God just comes in a mighty way and moves among us and shows himself. That's what we need in our day. So, this morning... And that's periods of revival have always been that. I'm getting ahead of myself here. So God's showing up. Is that, is that happening in your life this morning? He had God just kind of... But he want to testify? You want, you want God moving in your heart and life this... How about do you, do you want it? How about when anybody say, I need it? <laughs> I need it. All right, so this manifestation. So again, manifestation. So let me, let me not be too long here. But one thing Paul's saying in that verse is, I don't want you just to be captivated by the supernatural. That's kind of easy to do because in our society, there is kind of an interest in the supernatural, right? So I put the picture of the angel up here because everybody, you know, in our culture, there's a there can be an excitement about the supernatural. About, you, ever, you ever notice, like, uh, you know, you watch, like, Discovery Channel or stuff like that. You got all these crazy shows, you know, the paranormal and stuff like that. And there's all this real excitement about, there's a real interest, a fascination with the supernatural. Even, you know, angels. There's a lot of talk about angels. And, he, you know, the writer of Hebrews addresses this. Um, you know, you, you guys are all wrapped up in angels. Well, Jesus is better than the angels. So Paul's saying, I don't want you to just be wrapped up in the supernatural. Our culture is full of that. And by the way, that's where they had been. The Corinthians had been so caught up in, ooh, look, oh, I can do this gift, and there's this supernatural, and they're getting all caught up in 
this thing or whatever was happening in their lives instead of him, and they were getting caught up in that one gift of being able to speak in languages or speak in tongues, and they were saying, oh, this is the manifestation. Oh, if you don't have this, you're kind of, you know, you're kind of second class. If you don't have this gift of the Spirit, then you're, uh, you know, maybe you're, you're, you're not as good as us. You're kind of inferior. If you really want to be spiritual, if you really want to, uh, you know, be in, if you want to be in the in crowd in our church, you'll be one of those people like us that is able to speak in languages. So they're all caught up in that. So Paul, to answer that, he'd already brought this very clear focus in verses 1 to 3 to say, again, I know we're repeating this, but uh, Paul wrote this for me because I need repetition in my life because I forget. I want you to focus on Jesus. He says in verses 1 to 3, Get your eyes on him. Focus on Jesus. Jesus is Lord. No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not about just doing fantastic things among us. The Holy Spirit is about pointing us to Jesus. And if the Holy Spirit works among us as we pray this morning, we'll all walk away from this place saying, as a friend of mine says, what a Jesus. Not what a preacher, not what a singer not what a place, not what a style of music, not what a great place. No, we'll walk away from this place saying, what a Jesus. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And then in verses four through six, don't forget, everybody, that all of these gifts, what we're talking about is sourced by him. He is the provider of all of that. And so he emphasizes that point again. Focus on Jesus and be sourced by him in verse 7. Look at verse 7 again. And he's saying again, notice a few things that make it so clear in verse 7 that it's a focus on the person, not the thing. It's a focus on the giver and not the gift. It's a focus on the one who is ministering through us and not the ministry itself. So easy to do. See, I come, I'll just be honest. I come in here this morning, let, let me be very transparent. I come in here this morning, um, I'm the Bible teacher. We pray that God will come this morning and uh, touch us in this hour. I just want to be transparent. It's very easy for me to come in here this morning and feel a lot of pressure like, man, I got to do good this morning. Man, I really hope this goes well. I hope I'm communicating well this morning. I hope the PowerPoints work. I hope I don't spit in my microphone. I hope uh, I'm clear in what I'm saying. I hope, I hope, I hope. And there begins to be all this pressure. And you know what I'm doing in that? This is why I need the reminder. Because what am I doing? I'm focusing on this instead of him. Does that make sense? You probably never do that, do you? It's easy, isn't it? Remember, I, have I told you before Satan's strategy? Satan has a very simple strategy. I call it ABC. Satan's ABC strategy, anything but Christ. He'll let you get focused on any. You ever notice if you want to focus on Jesus, it's really tough. You know, there's all these roadblocks. If you want to focus on something else, it's like he paves the way. It's unobstructed. But get focused on Jesus, there's all this opposition. So you want to focus on preaching, John? Go for it. You want to get wrapped up in your teaching? Go for it. You want to get wrapped up in your music? Go for it. But he's calling me to focus on him. So there's several things in verse 7 that he's trying to bring us back to the same. And again, you guys think Paul's, you think I'm repetitive? You should hear Paul, okay? And that's because they needed it, this church. I mean, he'd been with them for 18 months a few years ago, and he taught them all this stuff. And in, in two years, they forgot it all. So I, I feel like I'm in good company, right? 
So there are a few things in verse 7 I want to point out. Number one, he says this. Notice that he says it is a manifestation of the Spirit. In other words, it is the person This morning, when Jesus is in us and when Jesus ministers through us, it's always about the person ministering through us, and it is the revelation of a person. Listen, when we're here this morning, you know what we really need? We don't need just a charismatic time or a charismatic person, you know, preacher or teacher or musician. What we really need, what we really come here for this morning is Jesus. We need to know him, amen? And when he's working in our lives through the body of Christ and this whole gift, the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit is not that we feel, you know, makes us feel good or, you know, whatever. It's that so he can be seen. This is, Christianity is always a manifestation of the person of Jesus. So that's why Paul, that's why Paul says that, a manifestation of the Spirit, the person, the person, the person. Focus on the person in my relationship. Focus on um, um, our brother talked last night about an intimate relationship with the person. That's what we need. So secondly, in verse 7, I got a few of these for you. Notice that the manifestation is in the singular. Now, I know you picked up right up on that, didn't you? Everybody says, amen, John. I picked that up. It doesn't say manifestations, plural, the manifestations of the Spirit. It says the manifestation. In other words, no matter which spiritual gift or gift of the Spirit that Jesus is going to do through us, and there's a lot of them, right? Aren't you glad for the variety, by the way, in the body of Christ? There's this great, amazing. Now, notice um, in Ephesians 5, he talks about um, the fruit of the Spirit. You guys all know the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all that. Did you notice that the fruit of the Spirit is consistent in all Christians, right? Everybody has the fruit of the Spirit. Now, by the way, those are growing. I don't have them all. Anybody got the fruit of the Spirit all down yet? Anybody good on that? Anybody have fruit of the Spirit growing in their life? That's good. That's good. It's growing. Anybody got that patience thing down yet? No. Growing? Anybody growing in patience? Anybody praying for patience? So we all have the fruit of the Spirit the same, right? Every Christian, you know, you know, as a Christian, you don't say, I'm sorry, I'm not very patient. Love's more, I'm more a love guy. Patience, no. In traffic, kindness is not my thing, you know. So all believers have the fruit of the Spirit, but in the body of Christ, we each have a different, the the ministry of the gift of the Spirit is different. Some people, music, teaching, helps, administrations, all the things that he's going to list that we'll look at tomorrow, verses 8 through 10, among others. So those are unique. But notice that he says, he doesn't say manifestations, he says manifestation. In other words, what he's saying is, no matter which gift, say you're a musician or you're, you're the person that's really good at helping around the church or you're a person that's good at teaching or you're a person, whatever, there's this gift of the Spirit. It all has something consistent about it. It all has the consistency of him about it. It all smells like Christ. They're all the same. Now, the reason um, I have a picture up here for anybody that uh, is a Star Wars fan, this is a picture of the Jedi Council. I'm sure you knew that. So anyway, so... Um, this is the Jedi Council, which is this wise council that counsels these young Jedi knights coming up. So um, the reason I have this up here is because um, once upon uh, a while back, my son and I, um, we were having this conversation. And uh, by the way, um, just a little update, he's boarding the ship today. So uh, he's, he's uh, boarding today on the tall ship Bark Eagle and uh, going out for a week to sea. So uh, it was really great. You can ask Trina or Rebecca how he's doing. They got to see him yesterday. Um, 
But anyway, we're having this conversation, and, and in our lives, um, we've been really gifted because in my son's life um, and my life, he's gifted us with a number of um, men in our lives like godly men who have been mentors to you know, friends and brothers in Christ and then mentors to my son. That's a rich treasure, isn't it? These mentors. And so we just developed the nickname for this group. We call them the Jedi Council. All right. And uh, so, by the way, um, we have a couple of Jedi Council members here at Syker, and we haven't quite figured out yet if President Brooks is, uh, we don't know yet if he's Obi-Wan or Yoda yet, but uh, we're kind of, maybe you can, you know, vote on that or something. So maybe you can work on his Yoda impersonation. But anyway, um, so one day, um, Carrie and I were having this conversation. There's all these, you know, about maybe 10 guys that are in this Jedi Council. And uh, one day, Carrie was going, and this was a while back when he was a little younger, so it was a great spiritual insight. He said, hey, Dad, you notice how, like, these guys are all really different? Like, they're really different in styles. Like, you know, one of them wears a suit all the time. One of them wears jeans and a cowboy, you know, pastors, jeans and a cowboy hat. You know, one of them is this and that. One of them wears a flowered shirt and shorts to church, you know. There's all these different styles, and yet, Dad, no matter how... Di- there's something the same about them. And this was his insight a few years ago. There's something the same about them. That must be Jesus. And that's what Paul's saying. It's the manifestation of the Spirit in us. We're going to have different styles, different gifts, right? Different ways, but it's always going to look like Jesus, right? Manifestation of the Spirit. Okay, uh, he also says in verse 7 that and, and you'll be excited about this too in grammar. It is, it, is in the, it is a subjective genitive. I know that excites you. Manifestation of the Spirit. In other words, it comes from Him. In other words, we don't do it, He does. In other words, I'm just the receptacle. I'm just the, I'm like that. I, I'm about as talented as that spigot there, everybody. I got about as much ability to minister as that spigot right there. You know what that spigot does exactly? Not really much. It just is the conduit for the water to flow through. And you understand that is the Christian life. That is ministry. That is the Christian life. You know, God didn't, it's not our abilities, it's his ability through us. We're not made to do it. It's that we're made to just be the vessel through which he does it, right? Isn't that great? And then lastly, there is this, um, there is, there is this, this strange grammar that I won't take time to go into this morning, but it, the, the word when he talks about the, the language of this manifestation, it's in a form of noun that is very, it is an abstract noun, which again points to the fact that you can't nail this down. See, in, in, in some approaches in the church these days, there's always, this attempt, there's always this attempt to try to nail everything down. If we can just kind of figure it out, if we can just kind of strategize, if we can just kind of get just the right order of service, oh, we need to tweak that. If we can just kind of, just kind of have, some, some churches we have the service timed out. I've been in churches before and uh, it's, everything's timed and they'll say okay here you go John you have 23 minutes for the sermon Thanks. and if we can program everything if we can do studies if we can research if we can get exactly the right kind of managerial leadership in here if we can get enough money if we can strategize this thing then man God will move and Paul says no, no baloney <laughs> You can't nail him down. You just be available and let him work through you. The manifestation of the Spirit. So, essentially, we're back to the discovery thing again. We're right back to where we started this morning with this thrill of discovery. Isn't it true this morning that in any relationship, 
the thrill of learning and discovery is what keeps relationships fresh. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that? Let me ask all the guys out there, uh, what's something new you learned about your wife in the last year? Ladies, what's something new you learned about your husband in the last year? I really like Fireproof. Um, I really love the movies by, those, by, the, by the guys there. And, uh, you know, Courageous, Fireproof. And uh, there's a scene in Fireproof, the reason I put that up there, because um, I don't know if you know the story, you know this marriage has gone through troubles, and in the end, Kirk Cameron's character is, is going to surrender his life to Jesus Christ, and God's going to work in He's going to eventually bring that marriage, you know, back to whole, and she ends up coming to Christ as well, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. But in the meantime, his Christian friend that he works with at the fire station is trying to counsel him about how to, you know, better his marriage, and he's telling the guy, he's, he's telling his friend, Kirk Cameron, Kirk Cameron, he's saying, you've you got to study her, man. You've got to be a student of your wife. All you guys out there a student? Student of your wife? Learning her, paying attention, listening, learning more. That's how relationship works. Isn't it cool in relationship when you're walking with somebody that you've been walking with, but you're always learning, oh, wow, that's cool. I didn't know you thought about that. Or I didn't know that. Yeah, what are you thinking about that? And there's always this learning experience. That, that's what keeps it fresh. And isn't that true with us as Jesus as well? Isn't it true with our relationship with Jesus that, because I don't know about you, I'm, I'm kind of an information addict. Is anybody here an information addict? I mean, I'm always... In our day, we have information like right here. I don't have it. It's over there. But it's, it's like information right at, at our fingertips at all times. How many times do I check my email in a day? How many times did I check? Well, I have to admit yesterday, I checked my phone a lot when, when they were up in Connecticut. But it's always this, we're, we're fascinated with information. I, I made a note to myself that even when I was writing this study, I made a note to myself just to, to tell you and be honest about it. Even in the middle of writing this study, I checked Fox News to see what was happening. Because we're in our culture, we're just into this addic- discovery is addictive. Discovery is, I want to know more. I wanna, there's, this, a, there's this draw to say, I want to know, I want to learn. What's happening? What's happening? What's going on? You know, what's, what's, what, what's, what's new? What's what's And so the invitation here is, would you be, Paul says, Corinthians, I know you guys have been caught up in a lot of things lately. You've been caught up in the speaking in tongues. You've been caught up in the ministry. You've been caught up in this, caught up in that. How about this? How about this? Would you join me in being caught up in the discovery of Jesus? Would you you join me in just saying, Jesus, I want to know you more. I want to be caught up in you. I want to lose myself in that pursuit. Now, you don't have to, you know, Stop looking at news. If you want to be on Facebook, that's fine. But hey, in your life, would you have this draw to want to know him more and that my joy, my satisfaction, and my life would come from you? How about it this morning? Anybody? How about the rest of this week? How about today? Would anybody join me saying, I just want to know him more? Anybody want to join me? I want to know him more. There's an old song that says, oh, I want to know you more. Deep within my soul, I want to know you to feel your heart and know your mind. Looking in your eyes stirs up within me cries that say, I want to know you more. Okay, so one more thing. We'll, we'll finish up here. One more thing. There's no question this morning that for anybody who seeks him, for anybody who wants to, and isn't that a cool thing about God too, that 
when you come in the Christian life and say, Jesus, I want to know you. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to pray just because I want to know you. Isn't it neat that God honors that? He's not like stingy about that. You know, you come and just say, oh, I want to know you. And he says, I don't know. I'll think about it, you know. Isn't it neat how gracious he is? And when those who seek me will find me, knock and the door shall be opened. Seek and you shall find. So, when, no question this morning that the manifestation is to the individual. It's very clear in there in the beginning of verse 7. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. So, to each one, in the, in, in the Greek, I don't, have, I don't need to go into detail, but the word order like underlines each one. So, each one, no doubt about it, God wants to reveal himself to you today and to me. Amen? God wants. In, if you're open this morning, I believe this with all my heart. This is, why I, this is why I encourage what I call a seeking attitude always in church. You know the difference, right? I've been in hundreds of revival services over the last 30 years. Maybe thousands, I guess. I don't know. There's an obvious difference when we are seeking versus when we're You know what I mean? Do you feel it in yourself ever? You know how it is you can tell when you go to church like I'm either or Wouldn't it be something if you came to every service with a edge of your seat can't wait, got my notebook. Well, who's preaching? Doesn't matter. Well, what's the style of music like? I don't care. Instead of, I didn't like the music. I'm done. Too cold in here. Pastor didn't shake my hand. Whatever. Wouldn't it be something every service the rest of your life? In fact, maybe you'll even get really radical and move up one row. So to those who seek, they will find. God has promised that he will reveal to anyone. So the manifestation, no doubt, God wants to move among us this morning, but Jesus wants to speak to me and to you individually this morning. Amen? But it's not just for me. He's clear. The manifestation is given to each one for what? For the profit of all. What he does in my life, do you understand that what Jesus does in my life is not just for me? Now, it is for me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for everything you've done for me. You understand, everything he does in my life is not just for me. What he does in my life is for you. What he does in my life is for my kids and my grandkids. What he does in my life is for the, re- for the purpose of everybody at this camp that gets to see what he's doing in my life. He's always working in me so he can work in you too. For the profit of all. The word profit literally means kind of like standing back and looking at the whole. You know, when you calculate profit, see how much time I have. When you calculate profit in business, you can't just look at one day, right? You got to look at the whole, right? You can't just look at one day of the month. Oh, we had a bad Tuesday. We had a bad second Tuesday of the month. I think we ought to close the business. 
Oh, we had a great Wednesday the third week. Oh, I think we'll go for it. You know, no, you got to stand back, not just look at one. you got to look at the whole. That's what he's saying with the body here. It's not just about me. It's not just about this part. It's about the whole. It's about for the profit of all. So what he's doing in my life is for the profit about, about the whole, about others. And what's interesting about this, more grammar for those two of us that are ex- excited about that, this isn't a present active participle, which maybe would say more accurately for the profiting, the present tense verb is, is given for the profiting. In other words, this is an ongoing thing. We are in the body of Christ, and we would say this particularly in holiness, okay, we are not finished. Amen? Anybody here all done? If you say so, you're lying, which proves you're not. <laughs> we are in process. That is one of the beautiful things of the holiness message is that Wesley talked about human limitations and sanctification is not only an initial and an entire sanctification that he can do, it is an ongoing process of sanctification as well. And that's why we're here at camp, because we all need that. And, and we have the incredible privilege of, of, exam, of modeling for our young people that even us old folks, all of us, are still in process. So that means that we're the ones that aren't afraid to go to the altar too. Can I get an amen on that? <laughs> We're not afraid to respond either because we don't have it all together either. No matter what anybody may think of me, I don't have it all together, and I need this this morning and tonight as much as anybody here. We are all in process together. Being in process and needing to respond doesn't mean you aren't sanctified. It's just the evidence that you are. Responding freely is the evidence of sanctification, of saying, hey, I'm still in process. Jesus, you got this. You got whatever you want to say to me this morning. All right, so this is a process. This is a process that we are all in. So what is happening to me, you need to know, what's happening in me is a key to what's happening in the body of Christ. Did you know? See, I was made to be a channel. As we said, this, the, the spigot, the conduit, I was made. We, you realize this this morning, that our lives affect each other in this place. We know that here at camp. You know that in your family, right? In your, at your house, when one person's having a bad day, it kind of affects everybody. When one person's up, it affects everybody. Same thing at camp here, how things are going with, some, with one family affects everybody. Your church, right? Our lives. Somebody, sometimes people mistakenly say, what's happening in my spiritual life is none of anybody's business. Baloney. You better believe this morning that what's happening in John's life spiritually and heart is really important because whatever is in me is spilling out on you in this very hour. And what's going on in me is spilling out on my kids, even in the unseen, and spilling out on my grandkids. So our lives are affecting each other. See, that's his plan. That's what holiness is. The plan of God was not just I get saved and not just, okay, now I'm a churchgoer and not just, hey, I'm now a good guy, whatever. You don't understand the plan of God and this holiness thing is you were made to be and I was made to be this manifestation of his life. I was made to be this conduit that right here on this, we're not talking theoretical this morning, um, brothers and sisters, church family, I can say that. We're not talking theoretical this morning. This is not concept. We are saying that this very day, you and I were made for this holiness, that you were made to be the manifestation of his life on this campground today. Today. Where we are, and incredibly, what Jesus is doing in you and me is a key. Anybody want to see God move in your family? Anybody want to see God move in your family? 
You ache for Jesus to move in your kids and your grandkids. You know what the key to that is? That they just pay attention in church. How's God going to move in my kids' lives? Well, if they'll just kind of get rid of that silly kind of music they listen to and listen to our kind, that'll, that'll get them. Isn't it true this morning that you and I, the key to my family is what he wants to do in me. The key to my church is what he wants to do in me. I, I said this last week and got, I, I felt the chill come off the camp. Last, when I said this twice in services last week at a camp meeting, and I felt the, chill, I felt the cool breeze literally come off the, come all right? If camp meeting does not make a difference in how we are back at our home churches, it's not worth having. The whole purpose of this 10 days is not only the sweet fellowship that we have in this place, the purpose of these 10 days, 11 days, is for what Jesus wants to do in us to go be that conduit back at our local churches. I'm the key. What he wants to do. So how is that happening in my life right now? How is that happening in me? Do I desire it? Do I recognize my need, right? Jesus, what do you want to do in my life? Well, if, if, that's, your, if that's your desire this morning, there's really good news. It's not you, it's him. I just get to abide in him and he in me. I don't need to try harder, do better. I can be sourced by him for him to do that in my life. So my focus, you ready for this? My focus is, you want, you want to see Jesus work in my family? You want to see Jesus work in the camp this week? You want to see Jesus make a difference at my home church? You want to see Jesus make a difference around these grounds? Let's get enamored with him and carried away with him. Amen? Amen. And one more thing. I just want to encourage you with this. One more thing. It's never too late. It's never too late to let Jesus impact my family and those around me and my church. Praise God for the grace of God. It's never too late. And today, I can seek him with all my heart and respond and let him work through me today. And I promise you, he'll make a difference. Would you join me in that? Jesus, thank you so much that it's not on us And thank you this morning that it is the manifestation of your spirit. And so we surrender our lives today for you to work in and through us, uh, for you to minister, for you to do uh, something amazing and supernatural in our very midst today that our lives would be the manifestation of the Holy Spirit right where we are, right where you've planted us today. And Lord, we don't know how, we don't know know what you're going to do, we don't know how, but we just want to know, we want you to know that we are seeking and available and wide open today for you to do an amazing, incredible work in our lives today, flow through us in a way that touches the lives of everybody around us on this grounds today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. See you in a few minutes.